Welcome to Giant Cocktails, a podcast where two lifelong fans talk about the San Francisco Giants while drinking homemade cocktails. Now, here are your hosts, Ben and Matthew Henry. Welcome back to another episode of Giant Cocktails. I am your host, Ben Henry, alongside my brother, the jilted Matthew Henry. How you doing, Matthew? Yeah, I, a jilted is a good word. I think you know when you're you're ex, you, you just you're expecting something out of someone, and then it just you know they they just go and screw you over. Yeah, I feel yeah. I feel a little yeah. jilted. I agree. Yeah, that's that's yeah. how it's going, Ben. You know, right? It's it's tough being a Giants fan. That's right. When they they or they let themselves be screwed over, that can be pretty upsetting, right? Oh, they, well, yeah. They go on a road trip to I don't know Colorado, and they just they're there at a bar where they serve a lot of Coors beer and Blue Moon. It turns out I did not know that. Hmm. And next thing you know. They're just getting jobbed by the Rockies. Yeah. And I think they did it to themselves. I don't think anyone did it to them. I think it was just, uh, you know, so let's be clear there. I mean, they were in line to win the first game and then blew the save. And then they're kicking the ball around the infield, you know, the rest of the series. You know, so I I just the the Giants didn't have this happen to them. They they did it to themselves. No, no, I'm saying they let it happen. They 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 let it happen. All right. Yeah. All right. With their bad play. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. They they got beat by three three out of four games. They nearly got no hit. And then even on the game that they won, they didn't get a hit until like the fifth inning. And then they scored eleven runs and were up by five or four twice. And then one by one. <laughs> ah, well, you know, Matthew, I mean, that's that that's all very interesting. And, and we folks, we're going to talk about the playoff race. And hey, look, I know, I know, I know there's some of you who come for the positive vibes. <laughs> Woo-hoo, you positive. Come here, Yay. You Go come, Giants. You come here. You come here for Matthew. And I know it's not good, right? It's not a good sign. When, whenever Matthew's upset, it's not a good sign. So I'm going to do my best to pull things back to, to, to an even keel. So I want to make it clear. We are going to talk about the fact that the Giants are still in it. Although I'm looking at our show notes here, and it says still in it, but there's now quotes around them. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we, we, but we're going to do our best. We're going to do our best. Like, look, we're believers. We believe. We believe it's not over till it's over. You know, the fat lady hasn't sung. She's warming oh, man, up in the hallway, probably, though. She's warming that's, up that's in probably, the hallway, Ben. I'm sorry. I'm a Gen Xer. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I said that. I'm, I apologize. I, I'm canceled. There's nothing wrong with being fat. You know? mm. I'm back. Okay. All right. All right. Anyway, so that all leads me to a question. Matthew. Yes. Serious question here. Like this is We, we get into the deep philosophical conversations you know because like we need to you know some people say that men our age we don't really talk about our feelings enough and and i want us to be an example okay so i want i'm so i have a question about your feelings how do you feel when someone you believe in lets you down i feel jilted for you feel jilted. You feel jilted. Okay. Okay. Well, I was going to give you an example. Like, like for example, let's say you needed me to do something for you. You were relying on me. Oh. Well, that's, and, that's easy. And I didn't ben. get I, it done. I, I never rely on you because <laughs> I know not to, I know better than that. Right. right. Uh, and, and I, frankly, I know better than to rely on the giants too. But for some reason I, I keep letting them back in. Like, it's, yeah, well, Love will do that to you, Matthew. I keep Love will trying do that to, you. to quit you, Giants, and uh, I just can't. Just, just can't. can't. Can't quit you. Well, well, does that mean you like leave me as your last resort when you have no other hope? Oh, absolutely. 
Yeah. Okay. I mean, I'm talking, okay. well, I'm talking our mother first. I'm talking to, whoa. Uh, yeah. Right. And then wow. I'm, I'm talking to like my, my mother-in-law next, then maybe my sister-in-law, then, um, then the, uh, the guy that asked for change on the corner. Uh, the, there's a bunch of people right. that I'm, I'm Bob, talking. Bob, Bob. <laughs> yes. Cause you know, Bob's Bob, you know, so I'm Bob's also imaginary. <laughs> I, I don't get paid enough for this. <laughs> Yes. Or some other appropriate Bobism. <laughs> uh, uh, okay, well, that's good, because I like that, because that means I'm only ever the hero, right? I come in at the last moment. I can't make a difference at any other time. I just come swooping in at the last moment, you know? Like, I'm the 2023 version of Kyle Harrison. <laughs> Right. Right. <laughs> yes. Now, sure. now that kid, he can't do anything except come swooping in on the second to last day of the season and be our hero. I have visions of Solomon Torres dancing in my heads, in yeah. my head. Oh, my God. 1993, Solomon Torres. <sighs> that kid pitched for a long time in major leagues as a reliever. Uh, but he was once upon a time a huge prospect for the Giants. He was their guy. He was the stud that was coming up. He was uh, he was the Kyle Harrison. He was the Tim Lincecum. Uh, it didn't happen, folks, and it especially didn't happen when he started the last game of the season in 1993. <sighs> but there's a 1993 history lesson for you. Well, anyway, folks, today is Sunday, September 17th, as we record this podcast. Your San Francisco Giants went 3-4 and four this week to bring their record to 76 and 74. They did what they needed to do last weekend against the Colorado Rockies by sweeping that series, and then they went 2-1 and one against the under 500 Cle- uh, Cleveland Guardians. But you know what? There were some obvious cracks in the wall during that Cleveland series because two of those wins... Were the, sorry, both of those wins were walk-off wins. And when you walk off, that means you're either tied or losing when you go into the ninth inning. So it's kind of a 50-50 thing at that point. So really, they were pretty close to getting swept by the Guardians, if you think about it. But they didn't. They went two and one. They got the job done. They were five and one for their last six. They went charging into Colorado. Everybody was high. The fire Farhan crew, we all had our tails between our legs. We were running and hiding as the rest of you were throwing tomatoes at us. It was going to be Gabe Kapler for 100 years. And then they went into Colorado and reminded us that they were the 2023 Giants. I blame the rain out. (laughs) <laughs> you blame the rain out. Well, you know, I was so mad about that rain out because I was like, you know what? That means they're going to play a doubleheader and doubleheaders are almost always splits. And this means <laughs> the Giants won't be able to sweep all four games. Well, I'm the idiot, aren't I? Yes, you are. <laughs> oh, oh, almost always split. Almost always split, but not this time. Not this time. The Giants went one in three and played some of their most uninspired baseball. I don't know that it was Tuesday in Chicago. Bad, but it was pretty bad uh, in these games. They looked awful um, at pretty much every spot of the game in Colorado at various times. And, uh, And they finally scored a ton of runs today. Sunday as we record this podcast and, um, you know, in the end. Needed every single one of those runs. Needed every single one of those runs because my boy, Camilo, is in another slump, it seems like. (sighs) But they are still in it, and we're going to talk about that. We're also going to talk about the fact that we're going to get another year of this kind of Giants baseball because both Farhan Zaidi and Gabe Kapler got votes of confidence from ownership, specifically Greg Johnson, who's the guy who calls the shots. So yes, there might be some people in the ownership group who are getting upset with Kapler, but they're not the ones who make the decision. And so we got another year of the Zaidi way, and we're going to talk about that. And then we're also going to talk about how should we feel about that? But before we do, 
We need to look at the standings. No, let's not. Let's not look at the standings. Well, we have to do because we have to wrap up one little piece of business, Matthew. All right, they're still in it. Okay. Well, they are still in it, but they're also not still in it. As of Saturday night, with their second loss to the Rockies in a single day, the San Francisco Giants were eliminated from any possibility of winning the National League West. (laughs) With, I think at that point, 13 games left to play. So... Uh, how many giant games behind are they the Dodgers? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. They're a million. It might as well be a billion. It, it just doesn't matter. They can't catch them. So let's move on to the wild card standings where the San Francisco Giants, well, let's start at the top. The Philadelphia Phillies hold the first spot with 81 wins. The Phillies have clinched a 500 season and they're three and a half games ahead. Sorry, three games ahead of the second wild card team currently. And this is bad news, the Arizona D-Bags, who are three games behind the Phillies. Half a guy, game behind the D-Bags are both the Cubs and the Marlins, who are both a half a game out of the Cincinnati Reds. So the Cubs and Marlins hold the third spot together. One of those has the diebreaker. I don't care. It doesn't matter to me. Although I really am a big Jazz Chisholm fan who is popping off this weekend. Man, scoring more runs than the Giants put together. Stealing bases, hitting grand slams. Jazz chisel. Anyway, Cincinnati is the first team on the outside, half a game out. And then one and a half games behind them are your San Francisco Giants. That's one, two, three teams that the Giants have to pass in order to get into the last wild card spot. The only good news is they hold the tiebreaker against two of those three teams. If they tie with the Cubs, they're out of luck. But if they tie with anybody else, they're in. And that's the standings. Matthew, who's hot? Who's not? Oh, it doesn't really matter. Um, no, it probably doesn't. We can just move on to the trivia question. If well, you yeah, okay. But, you know, I will say <laughs> who's hot. Uh, looking at it, uh, Lamont Wade heated up this week. And yeah. uh, hit 429 with a 500 on base. So it's good to see uh, Lamont Wade coming back. Uh, our boy Blake Sable uh, had a good week in, in more limited time, eight at bats. He had three hits and a home run, four RBI. Wilmer Flores continues, hit 353 this week with a 450 on base. On the flip side, who's not? Uh, you know, in spite of the home run he hit today, Brandon Crawford with a 111 batting average over his last 18 at bats. Uh, mm-hmm. Just, just, Brandon, I love you, man. Just, forever uh, giant, forever, forever giant, giant. One, exactly. One of the all-time greats. We're gonna miss you next year. Yeah, starting to see what it was like with watching Willie Mays, maybe you know, stumble around in the outfield. Uh, although you know, Brandon still plays. Uh, I mean, he, the highlight reel is still there. He made a couple of good dives, diving stops this week, but uh, the hitting, oh, not there. Mitch Haniger and uh, Luis Matos. You know, well, Mitch Haniger especially. You know, we we thought you know he had some key hits today. Uh, but those were like his only hits all week. He was he's been three for twenty three this last week. Uh, so I, I you know we were all big hopes that he was going to come in and save the day and you know and just more of the same. Uh, bat, batting a buck thirty this week. So yeah, I there's like to call him Mitch Lastella Hanniger. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, wasn't pretty on the pitching side. Uh, Sean Manea actually you know has had two pretty strong outings. Uh, had a 1.09 whip and 11 innings this week. Uh, he pitched uh, pitched both well, he pitched twice this week, two starts. Logan Webb, of course, was amazing. Uh, on the bullpen side, Scott Alexander uh, has pitched well. Uh, but, you know, we've had some struggles, too. Notably, uh, our boy um, Camilo struggled uh, this week. And uh, although, you know, some of his runs this week were unearned and it wasn't a save opportunity, so I don't know. It doesn't really reflect in the actual numbers, but the boy got knocked around. Anyway, who's also not hot is 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 Kyle Harrison because he's in AAA. <laughs> yeah, uh, Kyle was was optioned down to to AAA Sacramento, who I believe I don't know if I don't think the the the, the River Cats are in playoff contention. 
But their season is winding down. I think it ends very soon if it hasn't actually ended. That would be very easy to look up, and perhaps we'll do that later in the show. But yeah, I mean, that was a big surprise, right? Uh, And I think we are planning on talking about that a little bit more later in the show, but that was a stunning move, right? The guy that we all waited for all year that they told us was going to come up and have a big impact, the guy that they babied all year so that he could come in and pitch at the major league level and pitch through late into October as the Giants made a deep run in the playoffs, gone after just, what, four starts? Uh, you know, to go work on his mechanics and uh, pulled up in his place. Ross Stripling. The Giants are sending down the phenom, the future of the franchise, to catch lightning in a bottle. With Ross with Stripling. Ross Stripling. Woo! Wow, you said that with a lot of... Let me see if I can do that. With 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 Ross Stripling. Woo-hoo-hoo! <laughs> with, with, with Ross Stripling. <laughs> <laughs> Ross Stripling who also announced this week that he's coming back yes and we'll talk more about that later in the show <laughs> yes folks it's there's a lot of Ross Stripling news in this episode uh, uh, unfortunately but it is relevant and pertinent and funny it's gonna be funny sure Matthew sure. trivia question do it <laughs> All right. Well, you know, today, uh, as we record on Sunday, the Giants scored 11 runs and almost lost uh, the the winning run at the plate uh, today after being ahead nine to nothing. And uh, so that was ice got me thinking. When was the last time the Giants scored 11 runs and lost? And I'm thinking that couldn't have happened very often in Giants history. Right. And uh, so I I thought uh, that would be a good question to ask. When was the last time the Giants scored 11 runs and lost? Uh, Rickert Fanaita and Suyoshi Shinto. <laughs> when they were playing, maybe. That's correct. Yeah, that's All right. answer. Well, we'll see. In. We'll see how poorly uh, Shiosu Shinjo and Rickert Fanaita did in, their, in those run-run games or 11-run games. So anyway, anyway, Bob, don't you have something to tell us? Isn't it time for the booze, boys? Thanks, Bob. Thanks. Uh, I don't even remember whose turn it is. Bob, do you do you remember? What are you drinking, Ben? Oh, uh, yeah, it's me. Right. Uh, sorry, I had to wipe the tears away. Um, yeah. Oh, right. Yeah, I am drinking a cocktail, Bob, that I am calling the Horseman's Head. What's in a horseman's head? Well, not brains. Instead, it has one ounce of Mr. Black coffee liqueur, one ounce vodka, two ounces of heavy cream, a.k.a. whipping cream, and a pumpkin spice syrup that I made myself called Ben's Pumpkin Spice Syrup. Although I did see that Starbucks just released their recipe to the whole wide world. So if you want to use that one instead, by all means, you do you. And in my recipe, though, there is one ounce, sorry, one cup of pumpkin juice, one cup of demerara sugar, two cinnamon sticks, and four slices of fresh ginger, and then whole nutmeg. And I turn that into a syrup, while, and then I steeped the cinnamon sticks and the ginger in there for five to ten minutes, and then I grated some nutmeg into it. Uh, once you have all of that, you take the Mr. Black, the vodka, and the pumpkin spice syrup. You put that into a rocks glass with ice, and you stir it to combine. Then you uh, stiffen or whip your heavy cream or whipping cream. Why did I say stiffen? This is a family show, man. <laughs> anyway, you you either use a milk frother or or a or a. Oh man, or a, <laughs> and, and, or a or a mason jar, and you shake it. And t- anyway, it gets it gets like it gets thick. All the words, Matthew. <laughs> it thickens and, the cream. And, yeah, it thickens the cream, and then you pour it over the top, and it's really cool. I promise. If you're just not a just horrible person like me, and that's how you make a horseman's head. Listen to last Thursday's episode. I was much more in Eloquent. control of myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, folks. Well, uh, Bob, hit me. What are you drinking, Matthew? 
Thanks, Bob. Thanks for getting us out of that. Uh, let's see. I am drinking a, co- a cocktail called the Limon Love Affair with Bourbon. And this is a recipe that I pretty much stole from someone else. Go back on uh, Thursday's episode and find out who that was. Uh, but it's got one and a half ounces of bourbon, a half ounce of lemon juice, three quarter ounces of lemon cello, five to six mint leaves, one tablespoon of apricot preserves, two dashes of black lemon bitters, and two dashes of Orleans bitters. And you are going to take all those and you're going to put them into a shaker with ice, shake vigorously for 10 to 15 seconds, and double strain it into a rocks glass with fresh ice and garnish with a mint sprig and or lemon wheel. This is a very refreshing summer cocktail uh, and I highly recommend it. So that is what I'm drinking today, Bob. Mmm, that's a tasty cocktail. Yes, it is. And you don't have to like pumpkin to enjoy it. You know what else you don't have to like <laughs> to enjoy? The Giants? Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, let's go with that. That's the segue. Oh, oh boy. Uh yeah, it's 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 been a weekend and quite frankly it's been a season. Okay, but you know, so before the Giants played the Rockies, going into the Rockies series, as you said, coming off the hot streak, FanGraphs listed the Giants as 47% chance of making the playoffs. So almost a coin flip. 50 yes, 50 but- odds. But better odds than, than all anybody of the, else. Yes, than the anybody other teams of the other four are, contenders. Yeah, yes, that's agreed. right. So, so it was less than fifty percent, but still better than everybody else. Yes, better than the field. So we were we were sitting pretty. Now, twelve point nine percent. But Matthew, but, but, at the end of Saturday, they were at eleven percent. So after winning today. They raised their chances by two percentage points. And yes, I'm giving them an extra tenth, but, you know, that's, that's me yeah, being... Technically, 1.9%. 1.9%. Yes. They don't deserve that extra ten, tenth, Ben. <laughs> they don't. Oh, I'm, okay. Okay. Well, then I won't give it to them. Yeah. They, they, but they did improve from their low point of yesterday, which was 11%. To twelve point nine percent, which is yes, folks, uh, the absolute worst of the teams that really have still any shot. Uh, technically, the the Padres still have a shot, and I think whoever the heck is behind the Padres, who cares? But let's actually, the Padres, according to Fangraphs, Padres have a zero point one percent chance. Yes, they do. That's a chance, Matthew. <laughs> uh, that is how it works. Zero point one. Zero point one. So yes, um, and let's face it: if the Padres do do it, they're going to do it greatly at the Giants' expense. Um, So yes, all of which is to say the Giants are still in it, and and they have a day off tomorrow, but then they will play two games against Arizona, one of the teams that they're chasing. Unfortunately, while the Giants were barfing all over themselves in Colorado, the D-Bags were taking it to the Cubs. And now, even if the Giants win both of those games, they will still be half a game behind the D-Bags at that point. So they can't even pass the D-Bags by sweeping this mini-series the last two games, which they play against any of the other contenders. So they really, really hurt themselves in Colorado by dropping three out of four, right? Even if they had won any one of those other games, like that game, like if they had stolen Friday night's game, right? A game that they did not deserve to win, but did nearly steal. If they had actually stolen that, they could have passed the D-bags by sweeping this miniseries, right? And then suddenly you would see that percentage shoot all the way up. But now they have to catch the Cubs or run down the D-bags and hope that they get a lot of help from whoever the D-bags play. But 
you know, it, it's they just really, really put themselves into a much harder position and they really didn't get the help that they need. However, they do still have a chance. 12.9% is not 0.1%. I mean, I guess I would rather be the Giants than the Padres. <laughs> I mean, I guess that's true. I guess I would rather be the Giants and the Padres. Because I think if you're a Padres fan, you're kind of like, I don't know what else we do. We got the manager. We got the free agents. We got all the hype. We had a great season. We had everything going our way. And now we're talking about how Manny Machado is a cancer in the dugout, in the clubhouse. A guy who was the leader of your team last year. Anyway, so it could be worse. What I'm trying to say is, Matthew, the Giants are still in it. Sure. On the other hand, I think if they don't sweep this series against the D-bags, that's probably becomes impossible. Right? Or if it's not impossible, it will be one for the ages. Right? It would be like the Padres coming back from 0.1%. Right? Right. Well, yeah. I mean, looking at who the Diamondbacks play, I mean, they play the Yankees, the White Sox, and the Astros to finish their... Those are two bad teams and one team that's kind of struggling right now, even though they're good. Right? I mean, the White Sox and the Yankees, I know the Yankees is a big name, but the Yankees are bad. Yeah. I think the Diamondbacks, the D-Bags are better than the Yankees. Oh, definitely. Yeah. And uh, they're definitely better than the White Sox and the Astros are struggling right now. The Astros just got, the Astros just dropped consecutive series to the A's and the Royals. The Royals are the only team they have dropped below the A's as the worst team in baseball. The Astros just lost two consecutive series to the two worst teams in baseball. But hey, we know what that's like, right? We just lost three out of four to the third worst team in baseball. (laughs) Uh, Baseball. So unpredictable. By the way, I mean, it's not just the Giants, right? The Cubs are in a kind of a tailspin, too, and they might actually be the team that uh, the Giants can catch. Unfortunately, the Giants need to pass three teams, not one. But the Cubs also got beat by the Rockies. So, you know, there's plenty of pain out there. But who cares about that when you're suffering? Ah, the point is, is that, yes, the Giants are still in it. And we can't really call it yet. But at the same time, Matthew, there's only four more series to go. D-bags, Dodgers. Padres, Dodgers. Twelve more games. That's it. It's time to stop getting up off the mat. It's time to stop being resilient. It's time to stop being the team that keeps coming back. You have to be the team that no longer goes down on the mat. (laughs) Right? You can't get knocked down one more time. No. No, I mean, they can't lose any more of their next... They can't lose any series from here on out. They absolutely cannot. But here's the thing. The 2023 Giants, Matthew, I don't... You know, I never believe in the winning streaks, but I also never believe in the losing streaks. I could see a team that loses three out of four to Colorado sweeping the Dodgers. Oh, yeah. And it wouldn't surprise me one bit. Uh, I'm not expecting it by any means, but it it would just be so 2023 for the Giants to you know sweep the Dodgers. Uh, right. To get right back into the, the playoff. And know, the more right. that I think about this, the more that I think about Kyle Harrison getting sent down, so and he can only come back as early as September 30th, which would be the second to last game of the season, which I believe would be an away game in Los Angeles. Oh my God, Matthew. The, 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 Solomon Torres pitched an away game in LA. Is it, don't we finish this at home? Was, I don't know. Uh, do we? Are we on the road against the Dodgers? We've played six more games against the Dodgers, or maybe seven. I don't remember where where they are. Are they both at home? No, we finish at home. Because we always start on the road because to finish at mm, home. So we're at home right. against the Dodgers. That's so right. this well, week we're at Arizona and then at LA, and then we finish with six Oh, games I didn't realize against. it was that long of a road trip. Okay. Well, that makes more sense. And that's less, less of a corollary to 1993. Because the last game of the season was in LA. Well, and the Dodgers okay. knocked the Giants out of the playoffs when they won 103 games. The Braves won 104. The Giants had to send Solomon Torres out there to start because Beck, uh, Beckett and Swift had both already pitched two 20-game winners that year. Best Giants best Giants teams of all time. I'll put them up against any other Giants team. The 93 Giants. 
Seven games against any other Giants team, 93 Giants are going to win. I don't care how old you are. 93 Giants, best Giants team ever. Anyway. Uh, yeah, I mean, this is it, right? They got to start, you know, when you have this few games left, the whole, like, we can get up off the mat thing just starts to go away, and you just have to win. And I don't know, Matthew. I don't, I don't have a ton of confidence that they can keep winning. I also don't have a ton of confidence that they're going to keep losing. Well, I, I mean, their record is what it is, right? They're two games over 500. So right. it pretty much shows you kind of that they're going to maybe win some and lose some. I mean, they've gone on one win streak where they had like a 10 game win streak. And then they've also had like two pretty good losing streaks during those uh, that time. So I just yeah, I, it, they could be one of those that just get lucky. And runs the, you know, runs all have a really good run, but they haven't really shown that they're capable of doing that uh, recently. So I, I don't, I don't have a whole lot of confidence, Ben. I, I'm the, usually the optimist. I'm usually the guy that's like they're they could do it, but yeah, they're still in it in quotation marks because it doesn't feel like they're really in it. Right. But Matthew, you know who does have confidence? In the San Francisco Giants. I mean, besides Gabe Kapler and some of the Giants players and Farhan Zaidi. It's Greg uh, uh, yeah, Greg Johnson. That would be my guess. Yeah. Yeah. He does. He has confidence, not just in the San Francisco Giants, Matthew, but he has confidence in everybody's favorite manager. Gabe Kapler. And most certainly he has confidence in your favorite president of oper- baseball operations and my least favorite president of baseball operations, Farhan Zaidi. Because well, I, he went on record saying so. Yeah. Yeah. And and I I mean, he basically said what I said last week, Ben, that... You know, the, the, they, well, he didn't say it the way I said it, but basically what he's saying is they need another year and uh, to, to really make sure or to really judge how this regime is doing. And uh, yeah, I mean, you have another year, like 500 year. I, I think it's done. Yeah, you. this is the hot seat, right? Like, this Absolutely. is what we said last week, right? I mean, this is, you know, you, you took on the role of being the the apologist. And I took on the role of being the crazy ranter. Because you are an apologist and I am a crazy ranter. So it wasn't difficult. But those are the roles that we took on last week. But this was the conclusion that we basically came to, right? Like, this is what we agreed with. It was like, this, this, these guys are going to get another year to 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 prove that everything they've done up to this point has worked right and and i think to a certain extent if we go back to what their mandate was way back in 2018 or 2019 the mandate was make this team competitive while you rebuild the farm system and the goal is to have a farm system that produces the the dominant amount of players on our roster and then we take money and we augment that by by signing stars here and there right yeah. that's the yeah. goal that's that's the vision that's where we want to be right so imagine Shohei to Otani surrounded by people like Bailey and Matos and you know I mean Sable and insert some other names that people are probably less excited about, but I think are still worth getting excited about, like Meckler and and Schmidt, but also Walker and Harrison and Beck and Wynn, right? And you surround those all around somebody like Shohei Otani and a few other free agent signings, and suddenly if the if the young guys do what you hope they will do, at least some of them, and the free agents do what they're supposed to do and what you expect them to do, unlike some of the signings from the last two years, then you have a great team, right? That's the plan. And I think to a certain extent, right, to be perfectly honest, up until that at last part, up until everything coming together, 
they've done that, right? I mean, this is a competitive team. And the farm system was an utter disaster at the end of the last regime. There was nothing there. Logan Webb. And now they're a top third, you know, uh, arguably, I guess, you know, they're on that edge of the top third of of, uh, farm systems, according to a lot of publications. Uh, I think a real indication, if you call, of the of of the strength of the farm system is the Rule 5 minor league draft and how many Giants players got poached by other teams. You know, so I think that there is a lot of work that they have done to solidify the team and to produce guys that can help. They just haven't really taken that leap like, you know, to become the superstars. You, as you mentioned last week, there's no Ellie De La Cruz, right? There's no you know guy that's really coming out and letting, you know, turning the league on fire. But it is a huge improvement. And so in my book, I feel like, you know, Zaidi especially deserves another year. You know, we talk about Kapler and, you know, there's so much vitriol against Kapler out there. And, you know, I, I, I don't, I don't really have a lot of stock in who our manager is, you know, I mean, but I think I do want to defend Kapler in, in this and that Zaidi set up, you know, his philosophy was in order to make the team competitive while they're rebuilding the farm system, uh, they wanted to do it on a bunch of shorter term contracts so that when those uh, the farm system started to produce, they would have spots for them to fill, you know, and you can't do that when you're signing guys to like four or five year contracts. So they have these. So they went out and got these guys that are platoon players and, you know, put together uh, some good, some very good platoon situations that have helped the Giants uh, this year, notwithstanding. Right. And so. I don't blame Kapler for managing the way that this team was built. And, you know, if you don't like, if you don't like the platoons, it's not Kapler, it's Zaidi that, that set up this roster and and that's the way it has to be managed. You're not going to put a guy that bats, you know, 120 against left-handers in the lineup every day. You know, you're, you're, you're just not. And so, I I've, I feel like Kapler's gotten a lot of a lot of crap and and unjustifiably because he's putting the team out there that's putting giving them the Giants the best chance to win, uh, you know. And then you know injuries and and all that kind of stuff have have happened, and we've had to rely too heavily on the rookies. Uh, it's been a weird year, and and I just don't feel like this is the that it's necessarily Kapler's fault. No, I agree. None of this is Kapler's fault when it comes to the player personnel decisions and, and having to platoon, right? I, I think this team was completely set up for failure when they went with the whole seven starter thing. You know, I, I think I've said that pretty clearly all Yeah, we, we were I, saying at the beginning of the year that this was, you this know, was a uh, bad there was idea. going to be a lot of problems with this, and there right. have been. Right. And this whole two-headed monster thing, and it was just, they ended up turning that into an opener because, you know, you had guys like Walker, especially, um, who who came out of nowhere to be a huge contributor in the bullpen, and, and having him open games was way better than going with this two-headed monster, because really, when they had seven starters, they just ended up having, like, five guys who just weren't good enough really to do anything except pitch against the weakest part of the of the lineup uh, for one and a half times through the, through the rotation. And so that's that's what you got. Um, you know, so I don't I don't blame Kapler for that. I don't blame Kapler for the platooning. I do think that Pat Kapler has kind of lost his way a little bit in the late August and September. But I think that's largely on the back of the players. Right. Like, you know, the players have not been performing even when they've been put in situations where they should succeed. And he's kind of grasping at straws and doing the best that he can with with players who just aren't producing. Um, The one area about Kapler that I do worry about is how he handles young players. And that is kind of what worries me about the organization as a whole, because on the one hand, you might believe, okay, the Zaidi way has been operating under the current way because that's that's the best way that they can p- could have p- put a competitive team on the field. But once the farm system starts producing high quality players and you become less reliant on on free agents and waiver wires and and low level trades, then you won't have to do so much platooning. You won't have to do so much roster shenanigans. 
And you won't have to be putting these young 23, 24-year-old players on these yo-yos back and forth between Sacramento and San Francisco because I really don't think that that is helpful for a player, right? I, I do believe in stability. I do believe in, you know, these kids aren't robots. These, these men aren't robots. They're human right. beings. And, and human beings ultimately are creatures of habit. And the better that you can make somebody feel comfortable in their situation... Uh, and then they're going to perform better. And I'm pretty sure that the science backs me up on that. You can't just plug and play human beings like their video game, um, you know, profiles. Right. You yeah. know, these aren't NPCs. These are human beings. And and the yo-yo thing doesn't work. And I think we've kind of seen that from a lot of the attitude that we've been getting from from guys who you and I have given a hard time to. But at the same time, you can kind of see why they're pissed off. Alex Wood, Ross Stripling. Now, these guys have been put in their situations because they haven't performed, but also they don't like the fact that they're being used in this very unorthodox and, uh, you know, this way that just makes no sense to them. And so it makes the players unhappy. And the young guys aren't going to complain about it because they're just they feel like they're lucky to just be in the big leagues. Right. So they're not going to moan and groan about it. But I can't believe that this is good for them. All of that is a long segue into my concern about this continuing into next season because I'm very worried that Zaidi will continue to yo-yo these kids and I'm very worried that Kapler will forget that they're human beings and tell them that they got to trust the algorithm and the process and that he won't go out there and defend them, right? And he did do that for Meckler a few weeks ago, but he didn't do it for Casey Schmidt a couple of weeks before that. And I worry that this organization is not going to be the most comfortable place for a kid to grow up. And my, I point to that continuing with Kyle Harrison being sent down out of nowhere. Yeah, I, well, I, I think that the, the, the idea of kids, you know, not it's not being the right place for them. It's probably not the ideal spot because the the Giants are still expecting to win, right? There's this pressure, especially next year, Ben. There'll be this that's huge pressure saying. to win, and that's not the ideal situation for kids who are trying to learn their way. And we've seen that over the last two months. We've had t- way too many rookies playing, and the results have been a struggling team. And I, that's where the, the the regime has put themselves. They put themselves in a situation where they're kind of at this crossroads where they need to start putting their their young guys on the field. Uh, but at the same time, they have this pressure to win. And so there is going to be some some I think some contrasting uh, yeah. ideals there. And I just I don't know how that's going to shake out, but it, it's not ideal situation because now any little struggle is going to react into, you know, the, the way that they've been doing it for the last three or four years. Right. And you're sending young guys down to bring in some grizzled veteran that you might be able to ring out, you know, a few more hits. And, you know, I just, yeah, that's, that's not the way that the situation should be, but the contract situation of both Zaidi and Kapler, I think could uh, really make some unusual decisions happen. Right. I mean, that's a good point. I mean, both of them are going to be on the hot seat next year. Right. I, I think that's just obvious. They have to be. I think their jobs will be on the line. And you're right. I think they will be they will act accordingly, which is they will be desperate. They will be desperate for wins and they probably won't care about the growth of Kyle Harrison or Wade Meckler when they're trying to save their jobs. I agree with yeah. that. And that they that is that is not a good scenario. Um, the other thing, though, that I think is problematic about this this organiz- this regime and one of the things that I think will continue to cause problems are people like Ross Stripling and Michael Conforto and Mitch Haniger and even guys like Alex Wood. People who who you you sign to a free agent contract, who are taking up a roster spot, who you can't send down because they're a veteran player. The only way that you can get rid of them is by DFAing them, but then you eat a lot of money on their contract, which even though you know, even though smart economics tells everybody that that, you know, sunk costs cannot be redeemed by your wish that they weren't sunk. <laughs> people still do that. Right. They still over invest in money that they've already spent. I mean, the fact of the matter is, if a player stinks and you paid him millions of dollars, you running him out there every day isn't necessarily going to make him better. 
right? You wasted right. that money. It's already wasted, and you're making it worse by letting him continue to drag your team down. The Giants seem to be a team, an organization that wants to fall into that trap a lot. They did eat Lestella's contract, but that was only after two years of just absolutely no returns. They probably need to be a little bit more heavy about releasing guys. Like, And for example, Ross Stripling, you know, there was some scuttlebutt I heard around other places. Like I read some articles. I think I heard some other podcasts where people were saying that Ross Stripling is probably going to opt out of his contract because he recognizes that the, the rotation is extremely deep and he's probably like seventh or eighth on the, you know, on the depth chart. Right. If you have, you know, Keaton Wynn and Beck and Harrison and Webb and Cobb, you know, all of those guys coming back next year, you know, where is there room for for Ross Stripling? And so the conjecture was that he was going to opt out. Well, I sent you a little article via text message the other day that said that uh, that the the rumors are that Ross Stripling is not going to opt out, that he is going to exercise his contract. And it wasn't a rumor because the person who said it was Ross Stripling. And get this, Matthew, you know what his reasoning was? His reasoning was... Because he sucks? I, yeah, I haven't been good enough to opt out, according to Ross Stripling. Well, yeah, I mean, he's not stupid. Well, no, he's not stupid. Yeah, but here's my point. That means he's going to be a giant next year because he's bad. Right. And so that means the San Francisco Giants are going to have to carry him or DFA him and still pay him. And this regime will not DFA him. They will carry that man on the roster, which means they're going to have to put some other kid who should probably be there in his place. And the question, like, this organization has to stop letting these guys rot on the vine and steal a roster spot away from a kid. Well, I... I hear you. I and I I do think that next year that might be the time that we if Ross Stripling continues to to struggle, I would not be surprised if he gets DFA'd before the All-Star break. Like I think that there because the Giants do have other options. They have young guys that are, you know, Mason Black and, you know, the Keaton Wynn and you know all these guys that are now, you know, on the threshold of being legitimate starters. And so I don't I don't think that the Giants are going to have that long of a leash for Ross Stripling. Well, good. And they ha- they have to not, and I haven't seen them ever do that to anybody. But but they're gonna be they're gonna be desperate for wins, and if Ross Dribbling is not giving it to them, they're going to get rid of him. And 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 if and if they're sitting on dead money, they don't care because they won't be there the next year, right? And so it's it's I I just feel like there's gonna be a different mentality. I I also wonder if the Otani sweepstakes ramp up next this fall like i mean do the giants just back up a brinks truck for otani and just just outbid everyone else because not only because he's the best free agent out there but because they need somebody like that and 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 so i i would be surprised like i'm i we're gonna talk a lot about this in the offseason it's probably one of the main topics that we talk about uh but you know i if the giants don't go all in on otani then what's the point, especially now when they're in the last year of a contract where they need to win? Well, I think you've heard me say this time and time again. This organization has never proven that it can sign a big name. It can never sign yeah. the guy. Um, I don't think that they have it in them. Um, you know, Well, not that signing the big guy is a guarantee of winning. I mean, you know, no, look at but, uh, but what I'm the not, Giants or the Yankees and the, and the sure, Twins have done. But, but I'm not, I mean, but, but here's the thing. Aaron Judge on the Giants, we already talked about that, would have been a great thing, right? I think the Giants win a lot more games with Aaron Judge, even with his half a season of play, yeah. right? So he just made the wrong choice. But, you know, I don't think it's about winning. It's about getting the fans interested into your entertainment product. And, and here's the thing, Matthew, like, if I'm going to buy a jersey, I don't know what name to get on my jersey. Like, I want to put Harrison on there, but I can't trust that he'll be on the team. Maybe I want to put Wynn or Beck on that jersey. I can't trust that he'll be on the team. If I want to put Matos on there, I can't trust that he will be on the team. I don't want to put anybody that you just signed from, like, one of these guys that played 50 games last year because he was hurt. Or didn't play at all because he was hurt. Don't want to put those names on my jersey. The only names, Matthew, the only name that I think I could put on the back of my jersey right now is Rogers with a question mark. Because I know that at least I got double the chances that that guy will be on the team the whole year. 
Plus, Rogers is a common name, so maybe they pick up somebody named <laughs> right, Rogers. Right, right. They pick up another guy named Rogers. Maybe like a five. Yeah, that's actually a safe bet, right? For that reason, right? I should put Smith on the back of my right. jersey, so at least I know that there's a good chance that that name will mean something, right? And and this is my problem with the way that these guys operate. There's nothing to believe in, and that's what being a fan is. It's believing in the team, but also the players. And you got to get somebody that's a marquee player. So even if you sign Otani and he doesn't guarantee wins at least you got a star people angel fans love going to watch trout and otani play yeah they do that because they know that they're seeing two of the greatest players to ever play the game on the field at the same time and that team stinks right and you know last year i actually uh i i I bought a ticket to an angels game because i wanted to see otani and trout play and right. uh, and then one of them got hurt and the other one had a day off and I didn't see either of them play. But that's just <laughs> the way it works, you know. So I, uh, I, I, you know, but I, I, your point is well taken in that Zaidi and the regime here have you know really tried to build a competitive team uh, with the without the the names that go along with it, and uh, and I think that they were counting on winning being the draw, uh, but the problem is that they haven't done enough of that. And right. so it's made it, you know, even in 107 wins, they didn't they weren't really pulling in, you know, the the, the number because I think people were still really dubious until about the last month of the season that this was really the team that was showing up. And so and then it didn't yeah. show up next year. Right. Right. So, you know, I think that there's uh, there's a lot to, to be thought about in terms of that. And, and I I'm not. I'm not defending any of that. I I just I think that next year will be the the tell all year, and obviously we're getting another year whether we wanted it or not. Yep. Uh, but I feel like that's where uh, it's always been. I think this is the year, and if the Giants aren't significantly better, then there will be changes. And and it's kind of unusual to have uh, front office people and and managers be like lame duck status. And you know, usually they give them another year or they extend it a year you know, their contracts, but it doesn't sound like that's happening. So, um, you know, it'll be interesting to see kind of how it shakes out. Yeah. Well, I don't think anybody's going to be banging down either of these gentlemen's doors when their contracts run out. So I think the giants are okay in that regard. Um, yeah. And, and I do think if they do sign new contracts, they're probably not going to be so great. Um, because it's going to all be based off of one year, right? If, if they get anything at all, it's going to be based off of one year. It's going to be based off of 2024. So there it is, Matthew. Like, and I guess I mean the last question that we have here before we wrap up is is how should we feel as fans about this? Like, how are you taking this? Like, what is your approach to the San Francisco Giants going to be next year as a fan? Well, I I this year has been the same. I think I, it's a wait and see. You know, I actually have not been to a Giants game this year, which is very unusual. I yeah. have usually by this time gone to at least two or three games. There are at and, least four cocktail areas that I found when I was there. I think it was five. There was a bullet place upstairs and a Jose Cuervo place upstairs. And then there was an Evan Williams downstairs. All right, well, I went to three of them. I went to those three. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm going to be going to a game next week. Uh, I'm going to go see the one of the Padres games. Uh, but I'm not sitting in the club level like I normally do. I'm actually I bought bleacher seats and I'm sitting out uh, in front of the Coke bottle. And, uh, you know, because that's I didn't want to waste a whole bunch of money on games that might not even matter at that point. But I did want to go out and see a game and take my daughter and all that. We're going to go have fun. But um, but I'm doing it on a budget. And I feel like there hasn't really been a reason to spend and splurge and to go see the Giants. And the Giants haven't given me that reason. So in that respect, I'm taking it one game at a time, one day at a time. And I think that, you know, the offseason is going to be. I feel like it's going to be more of the same. I feel like there's not, well, mainly because the free agent uh, crop outside of Otani is, is underwhelming. And yep. so it's not like they're going to sign some big guy. If they don't get Otani, that's going to drive fans to back. So they're going to be right back into the place where they were before. And if they get off to a poor start, like they did this year, then yeah, you're going to see fans stay away even more. And that, I feel like I'm pretty indicative of that. I don't, I just don't see that they've done enough to really drive, you know, att- interest in the in the in the team enough to to you know spike attendance. Right. Well, you know, as you know, I I boycotted the team for the first half of the season because of how their off season went. Right. 
And, you know, a lot of people argued that, oh, they tried. And like, you know what? I don't care about try. Like, I, I care about results. Right. And I care about having a good market, like a good, exciting product on the field. And that's why I got more excited by this team as they started to bring the young players up. And I, I did go to a game and I planned on to going to more. But, you know, then this team started to turn and it started to be really bad into August. And and they started to do all of these moves where they were truly, clearly trying to, like, catch lightning in a bottle and, and jerking all these kids around. And I was just like, that's not fun. That's not exciting. Like, I don't I don't want to go reward this with money. And and so that's kind of where I'm at. Like, I'm at a, a a watch, a wait and watch scenario, and I'll buy tickets when the product is fun. And I will still watch them and I will still pay for services that allow me to do so. So I will still be contributing to them indirectly in that way. I'll see their advertisements, but but I'm really going to wait until this product is fun. And that's not I mean, unless you sign Otani, unless you tell me that, you know, your starting rotation is going to be Beck, Wynn, Harrison, Cobb and Webb, you know, early in spring training, unless somebody gets hurt. Like, you know, if you don't telegraph those things to me, then I'm not going to be there early in the season. I'm not going to be there until you um, start showing me a consistent roster or a roster that wins. Ideally both, but I need one or the other. And until you do that, I'm not going to go to the games. That's my approach. Right. I'm still going to be a fan because I still love the team. But, you know, I love the organization. I love the history of the team. I love the San Francisco Giants, the part of them that belongs to the fans. I, I think of the current people that are operating the team from ownership on down. They're just the current stewards of these teams. They don't actually own it in a spiritual sense. So I will always be a fan of the Giants, but I don't have to be fans of the way that it's being run. And right now I'm not. And I'm going to, but I'm willing to be proven wrong. <laughs> I'm, I want to be proven wrong. Prove me wrong. <laughs> In fact, I want this roster to prove me wrong. You know, yeah. do the improbable and charge all the way to the World Series title and I will eat crow all day long. Do it, boys. Do it. Do it now. Yeah. And if that happens, we'll be talking about this team with some reverence for decades to come. Absolutely. Yeah, just like the 2010 team, which had no business either. Right. But it right. had more business than this team did. This team would be more of a miracle. <laughs> All right. Well, it is time for the trivia question answer. And if you recall, the question was uh, what or when rather, when was the last time this giant scored 11 runs and lost? Well, folks, it has only happened 25 times in Giants history that wow. they have scored 11 runs or more and lost. <laughs> Although the last time that happened Happened to be this year. <laughs> it was uh, uh, April 29th against the Padres. The Giants known. lost 16 to 11, uh, which also happens to be the widest margin of victory of any or of widest margin of loss of any of those losses that they've had in the history of the Giants. So, oh, uh, so yeah. they have lost uh, while scoring 11 runs this year. Prior to that, 2000, you have to go back to 2019. Well, that's not that long ago either. No, yeah. So, there was, so, I think it happened twice in 2019, actually. <laughs> so you're saying of the you're saying of the uh, of the 25 times, three of them have happened in the Zaidi era. Uh yes, that Noted. is true. Noted. Sorry, <laughs> but the several happened I'm in the Sabian area too. So uh, yeah, you know, really yeah, and those that, and the so. 2019 ones were probably. I mean, those were mostly. So those were mostly <laughs> that previous. They actually lost there. 11 to 12 to Chicago and 11 to 12 at Colorado. So wow. Well, the Colorado oh. ones, yeah, okay, those make more sense. But they didn't. They didn't do that today. No, they won. No, they won. So let's hallelujah. All right. Well, looking ahead uh, next week, I will be bringing a summer cocktail on the last day of summer uh, called the French Pearl. Uh, ben, what are you uh, bringing to the show on Thursday? It is going to be clearly it's fall because clearly it has been fall for almost a month. Yep. Clearly, Ben does not know how to read a calendar because the fall equinox is Friday. 
then, uh, but you know, we we also can read a calendar and know who's coming up uh, against the Giants. We got two games at Arizona. Uh, those are really important games uh, for a number of reasons. First of all, they need to win as many as they can from here on out. And so every win matters. And uh, the other thing is if they end in a tie, they need to win at least one of those games to have the tiebreaker against the Diamondbacks. Although with the Cubs now dropping down into the third uh, wildcard spot, that complicates things a little bit. But uh, still, important games. And then we go to Los Angeles for a three-game series against the Dodgers. And I'm calling it here first. The Giants are going to sweep that series. Yeah, the Giants are going to win 12 and oh, they're going to win 12 more games to finish the season. <laughs> and they still need help. <laughs> they still need a lot of help. Oh, man. All right. Well, we will find out what happens uh, next next Monday when we uh, return. Also, don't forget to subscribe if you haven't already done so and rate us on Apple podcast or your podcast listener of choice. Uh, Thank you for all of you who have done so already. It really helps the show. Follow us on social media, Twitter, still calling it Twitter, folks, Uh, Instagram, threads and Mastodon. We're there. Uh, Give us a follow. Shout us out. Uh, It's been really fun to to talk to people and and engage with people. Uh, So please do so. Uh, and, um, I guess that kind of wraps it up until next week, Ben. It's been good chatting with you. Cheers, my friend. Cheers, Matthew. Bye everybody. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Giant Cocktails podcast. Until next time, bottoms up. I can't believe they demoted Kyle Harrison. What the fuck?